if you would please listen to these scriptures that I'm going to give to you this morning with a humble heart and that you let them seep into your mind that you use them later in life to tell your friends and expand the kingdom of God. So what do you call a belt with a watch on it? A waste of time. And I assure you this morning that I will definitely not waste your time. So let's get on to this lesson. There was this Sunday school teacher and she was teaching her kids about how they get to heaven. And she said, if I'm nice to all the animals and everything, will I go to heaven? And the kids were like, no, that's not how it works. And the, and the teacher said, well, if I keep my house clean and I mow the lawn and I clean everything, will I go to heaven? And the kid, you can see the kids' faces. They're like, no, that's not how it works. And the teacher said, well, if I'm nice to everybody, I'm just a really good person and everything, will I go to heaven? And the kids are like, no, that's not how it works. And the teacher says, well, how can I get to heaven? And there's this one new kid in the back, and he raised his hand all shy and everything. And the teacher said, yes, and he says, well, you have to be dead. <laughs> well, that certainly is true, friends. The death percentage for each and every one of you today, unless Judgment Day comes, is 100%. You have to indeed be dead to go to heaven. About two people die every second. This adds up to about 150,000 people dying every day. And if we will turn to me to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Wide is the gate and broad is the way. And when I read this number of 150,000 people, I'm absolutely heartbroken because most of those people are not going to heaven. They're not going to be able to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. And friends, I'm not here to tell you that we should want to go to heaven because hell is not there. We should want to go to heaven because Jesus is there and we should want to serve with Him for an eternity. So let's discuss why we should want to go to heaven. Go to heaven. One of the first reasons that I found is because there's a mansion there prepared for me, for you, and for everybody else on this earth. If you will turn with me to John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. John chapter 14, verse 2 and, and 3. And it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus prepared a mansion for us. It just depends on if you want to take that mansion or not. Sometimes I like to go and drive around and I like to look at houses. I don't know about you, but I, I love to do that sometimes. And Sometimes I'm just driving you, and sometimes you, know, you find yourself in that, in that rich neighborhood. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're driving, you see, you see that big house, and your, your jaw drops and your eyes are wide open. You're like, that house is magnificent. Well, Jesus has prepared one of those for us in heaven. Do you want that mansion? And the second reason I found that we should want to go to heaven is because the city itself is big enough for everybody. If we will turn with me to Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, and it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands. Pay attention to the first part of the verse. 
And behold, a great multitude which no one could number. No one could number the people that were in heaven standing at that moment. If you can make, make a sum up to this conclusion, there's been, this means there's going to be no crowding in heaven. Sometimes you want to go to New York City or Atlanta and you want to walk around and see all these beautiful buildings. But there's always a woman with a screaming kid two feet in front of you. You can never walk anywhere to see these beautiful buildings that people have created. But in heaven, you can, you'll be able to walk around and see all these beautiful works that God's created. Which brings me to the next point. Heaven is the most beautiful place that you can't imagine. Let that sink in. Heaven is the most beautiful place that you cannot imagine. There's no darkness. There's no pain and no sadness. There's no crying. God will wipe away every tear. If you will turn with me to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. And it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. God will wipe away every tear you've ever experienced on this earth, and there will be no pain. No pain in heaven. And the number one reason that I found for why someone should want to go to heaven is because someone came to this earth 2,000 years ago and died for me and you and everybody else on this earth so we could have a chance to go to heaven. Jesus Christ came to this earth and he was born and he went through temptation and he was rebuked among men. Jesus was tried day and night. Pilate asked if they wanted Barabbas, a murderer and a sinner, over Jesus, a blameless man, and the crowd wanted Barabbas. Jesus was scourged. They would take leather straps and they would attach pieces of bone and iron and they would tie the person to a wooden beam and outstretch and they would flog them across the back, tearing their flesh. Jesus was made to carry a 110-pound cross beam some ways where he would be crucified. Jesus was nailed to the cross and made to hang there for hours on end. And he died for us so we could have a chance to go to heaven. And someone would be absolutely ignorant not to take that opportunity that Jesus gave to us. Now we've discussed why we should want to go to heaven, but next let's discuss who will be there. And it's obvious that the Lord, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit will be there and their angels. But who else? I believe the only people that will be in heaven are the people who have obeyed God's gospel command that is in this book. If you will turn to me to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Matthew chapter 7. We'll start in verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many mighty works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who practice lawlessness. Now I attended a the uh, youth retreat that we went on uh, two or three days ago and Cole Wade did a, a devotional on Friday night and he said something that will stick with me for the rest of my life. He said, I'm going to put you in a scenario. You're right behind these people on Judgment Day and you see them and they said, they've prophesied in God's name and they've cast out demons and they've done mighty works not just works they've done mighty works in God's name and you're right behind them what are you going to plead your case to make it into heaven what are you 
going to do. The only people that will be in heaven are the people who have obeyed God's full command. And this brings me to the next point. Here's the big question. How do we get to this place called heaven? I believe there's two things that go in perfect harmony. It's obedience and there's commitment. First, we're going to discuss obedience. All of you know the five, five steps of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. And the first step is here. All of you are hearing the word right now. I'm giving you facts from the word of God and you're hopefully taking them and going to use them later in life. But the second step is belief. If you will turn to me to John chapter 8 and verse 24. John chapter 8 and verse 24. And it says, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. But this isn't where it stops. Even the, de- even the demons believe and they tremble. This third step is called repentance. Luke 13, 3. If you, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And repentance is this beautiful thing. When the invitation is offered later day and someone comes down the aisle with tears in their eyes, begging the Lord to forgive them because they've turned away from Him. The angels are rejoicing in heaven and God, everybody in heaven is rejoicing that someone has turned back to the Lord. Which brings us to this fourth step is confession. If you will turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. It says, Therefore whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my, before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever confesses me before men, you hear, you hear about these radical jihadists and members of this ISIS group, and they'll take hostages in banks and schools, and they'll, say, and they'll put a gun up to people's heads, and they'll say, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? What will you do when the gun is to your head? Will you... Risk your life for Jesus Christ. Let's put it in a different scenario. Say you're with your friends and you know they need to hear the gospel. But you know they they believe differently or maybe they don't believe. But you know they need to hear it. Unless you confess Jesus before men, He will deny you before your Father. But you you know your friends need to hear this. What will you do when you know people need to hear the gospel? This brings us to the fifth step. It's baptism. Mark chapter 16, verse 16. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you will turn with me to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 36. Acts chapter 2, start in verse 36. It says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We must be baptized in that water, as John 3, 5. He was born of water and the Holy Spirit son of the kingdom of heaven. If we will turn to me to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 19. It says, If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are in it. And let me ask you a question. If we do not do every commandment that is listed in this Bible, exactly how it says, are we not taking away from the word of God? 
we are taking away from the Word of God if we did not do every commandment that is listed in this book. Now we've discussed obedience. Now let's discuss commitment. In between the Old and New Testament, there's about 400 years of Jewish history. And in these, in these years, there were these two books called the Maccabees written. First and Second Maccabees, just like First and Second Kings or First and Second Chronicles. And in Second Maccabees chapter 7, there's the most beautiful story of commitment that I've ever heard. There was this family, about seven brothers and this mother, and there was this king in this town. He heard, he heard about this family. And the king brought this family in and and they looked to the right and left, there were these huge boiling hot cauldrons. And then in the front of the king, there was a plate of pork. And if you knew anything about the Jewish religion back then, they couldn't eat any unclean meat. They couldn't eat any unclean meat, just as pork, for example. And the king, the king brought the first brother forward. And he said, son, I want you to die your faith, and I want you to eat this pork. And the son says, no, I will not eat this pork to die my face. So the king kneels the son down. And he, he makes him stick his tongue out and he cuts his tongue out. And blood's gushing everywhere and the son is agonizing in pain. And, and the king says, it's your last chance. I want you to deny your faith and I want you to eat this pork. And the son shakes his head no. says, no, I will not deny my faith. So the king, the king stretches out the son's arms and legs and dismembers him and throws him in the cauldron. And the king brings a second brother forward. And he says, you saw your brother die. I want you to eat this pork. And he says, no, I will, not deny, I will not deny my faith and eat this pork. So the king gets knives and he, he brings it across the top of the second brother's forehead and he scalps him. And he says, son, it's your last chance. I want you to eat this pork. And he says, no, I will not deny my faith and eat this pork. So the king does likewise to the second brother. He dismembers him and throws him in the cauldron. And the third brother comes forward doing the most courageous thing anybody has ever done. He comes forward with his arms outstretched with his tongue out saying, Do whatever you have to do to me, for I will not deny my faith and eat this pork. So the king does the same to the third brother. And he does likewise to the fourth, fifth, and sixth brothers too. Dismembers them and throws them in the cauldron. So the king goes to himself and he thinks, thinks to himself, Why is this family not denying their faith? I'm going to try a different tactic. So he brings the seventh brother and the mother forward. And he goes to the mom. He says, Mom, I want you to convince your son to eat this pork. So the mom, she turns to the son and she says, I raised you for nine months in my stomach and I went through the pains of childbirth. I've raised you. I've seen your broken bones and I've seen your victories and I've had tears of joy and sadness at every moment in your life. And I've raised you to believe one thing. And I've raised you to not deny your faith. And I've raised you to love the Lord. So the son turns to the king and he says, I will not deny my faith and eat this pork. So the king does likewise to the seventh brother and the mother, for they were not worthy of denying their faith. This is, one of the, this is one of the most beautiful stories of commitment that I've ever heard. This family died for their Lord. For a simple piece of pork, which would be denying their faith, but they, they didn't do it. They were so committed to the Lord that they would die for Him. Take Paul, for example. He was scourged five times. He was beaten on the head with a cane three times. He was shipwrecked three times. And he was beheaded in the name of Jesus Christ. If you will turn to me to Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8. It says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking in the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Like we discussed earlier, Jesus came and he was obedient unto death so we could have a chance to go to heaven. Why can we not be committed to Jesus to the point of death? Jesus doesn't want 50% commitment. He doesn't want 75% commitment. He doesn't want 99% commitment. He wants 100% so much that you would go and die for him. So much that you would be persecuted for Jesus. If any of you were here for Brother Gilpin's gospel meeting on the second night, he said, he did the sermon, if live men knew what dead men know. And he said in there, if the live men knew what dead men know, the dead men would tell these live men to obey their Lord and stay committed to Him all their lives. These men that have passed on and sadly didn't make it to heaven, they'll have an eternity to remember what they could have done. The invitation will be offered in a few moments. And if you need to come forward, you know you should. Because if you don't, death can come upon us at any moment in life. And you will have an eternity to think about what you should have done. If there's any anything we can do for you, whether you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins, or whether it is to come forward, come now as we stand and sing.